Hello and welcome to Blistering Barnacles. This is a Tintin fan podcast and I'm one of your hosts, Andrew, and this is the other host. Hamish. How are you going, Hamish? I'm pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, how are you going with lockdown? It's okay. It's Could okay. be better. Could be better. <laughs> yeah. Have you been bothering to read any Tintin books in lockdown or not? I feel like I've read them too many times. But Too many times? Yeah. What was the last one that you read before you stopped reading them because you'd read them too many times? <laughs> that was about two months ago. Um, Which one was it? I feel like it might have been one of the earlier books. Uh, the Broken Ear, maybe. The Broken Ear. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to get to The Broken Ear until much later in this sequence because it's, it's not... not the very good. It's okay, but... Yeah. It's got Pablo in it, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does have Pablo. And Dr... Um, right, Ridge, yeah. Anyway, we should stop talking about it. All right, because, what's the point of our podcast series? Uh, well, we break down each of their albums in their final English publication form. In their final English publication form. Yeah. And we've decided to work through the albums according to how highly we rank them rather than chronologically. And there's a lot of that I would rank equally, so it's going to be hard. Yeah, so this is like equal third, equal fourth, equal fifth. Yeah, I feel yeah. the same today. Yeah. Um, and we're going to discuss artwork, characters. Best haddock moment and the geography. Uh-huh. And this episode is devoted to? The Calculus Affair, which is contradictory to what we said in last episode because we thought we were going to do Tintin East as it's known, but oh, I yeah. think we decided to do Calculus Affair. We'll do Tintin in the East as such um, next episode. All right, next episode we'll do yeah. that. Okay, after this short musical interlude, we'll come back with background briefing. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Welcome back to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast, and our episode today is devoted to the Calculus Affair. Hamish, when was this first published in English? Give me the skinny. <laughs> Give okay. me the skinny on the Calculus Affair. <laughs> okay, so it was first published in English in 1960, which happens to be the same year Red Sea Sharks was published in English. Um, and it featured in Tintin magazine from 1954 to 56, whereas the Red Sea Sharks featured from 1954 to 58. So Ooh. that's interesting, yeah. Really? So the, the, the Tintin fan in French was able to... Reading Tintin magazine, get a crossover between Calculus Affair and serial form. I mean, I'm just going on the logic of what you've said. Yeah, well, that would seem so in seem like that. Yeah. And so if this came out in 1960, the same year as Red Sea Sharks in English, it was a banner yeah. year for the Tintin fan being able to get their album. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they were kind of at opposite ends of the year. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Well, I can't correct you. I mean, there's some probably person out there with the glasses who can't make eye contact who knows more about Tintin than us <laughs> who's probably able to correct that. So this is rated by some hipsters. As the best? Mm, I yeah. don't know. It's a bit too James Bondy. Yeah, you use James Bond. I've gone for um, Jason Bourne. <laughs> same, oh, same. JB, JB, James yeah. Bond, Jason, Jason Bourne. Bourne. I yeah. never knew that. I never worked that out <laughs> you before. You haven't noticed that before. No, I'm a bit slow. So why do you say it's James Bondy? Because uh, of Tintin's with all the ladies? Is that the only... <laughs> Not particularly. It's mostly just because it's just a chase, really. You have them flying over helicopters over lakes and chasing different corrupt governments. And yeah. it's very, very typical um, kind of chase scenes from the 2000s. 
Yeah, they get behind the Iron Curtain. They go to Sildavia. They go to Bulduria. They're in. Mm. Um, they're in uh, Lake Geneva. They're in. I think we should stop talking about this. We have a section devoted to geography. Yeah, but I'm just trying to think about the chase. Like it it spans the continent. Um, But in in effect, like calculus or tournesol to our French listeners is is (laughs) kidnapped early on and he's kidnapped by um, people behind the Iron Curtain and there's tug of war between the Sultavians and the Bulgarians over who's got possession of calculus because he's got this weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. And it just kind of a sequence until they get him back. It makes you wonder why he would make a weapon in the first place that can blow up glass. What personal gain can he get from that? Well, he does dabble in the dark arts calculus, but I think my understanding is that... Uh, Hergé actually modelled this yeah. as a, on a weapon that the, the Nazi regime was trying to develop. Really? This glass thing. Because there was a, a range of weapons that the Nazis were seeking to develop. Yeah. Did you know the V2 rocket was a, is a, a, a German yeah. rocket from World War II and that's the, the basis for the rocket? in And um, the basis for the atomic bomb. That is what the um, V2 rocket is based on, that they fly in Tintin. No, the V two rocket that they—I mean, the the V two rocket was the basis for um, the rocket that they flew yeah, in, yeah. in destination, and it was also the basis for Code Manhattan. Oh, really? Which was the atomic bomb? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, um, you learn so- if you listen to the Blistering Barnacles podcast, you're going to learn something. Well, I—it's not—it's not in my top. I mean, we're doing it as third episode. It's not my top one or two. It's not even top three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind it. Um, I think Bob Demore's really good in this. Uh, I don't know if A.P. Jacobs had joined yet, but um, there's definitely it's definitely good drawing. The drawing, not as best as Red Sea Sharks. Incredible, um, but yeah, though, isn't it? Yeah, and the action is quite fast paced compared to some of the early books. They're just so slow because yeah. they were written forty years prior. Yeah, the pace of the action is absolutely incredible. Yeah, isn't it? And 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 you get that sense that it feels like a movie, even though it's. It's um, it's been yeah. Uh, it's on it's on the page. So all of that's good. The characters are good. We'll talk more about our favorite yeah. characters, um, in a minute. But there's a lot a lot to like about uh, the calculus affair, l'affaire du tournesol. Yeah, l'affaire um, tournesol or something like that. Something. I think if there were to be one more Tintin movie, it would be heavily based off this one. Yeah. Because of it, how can it's just so similar to a movie. There was some sense that it was going to be another Tintin movie, but it's been quite mm-hmm. a long time now, six or seven years since the original stop-motion one. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, we're going to have a pause, then we're going to come back with our favourite section, Tintin Geography. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, I'm back for our next section, which is geography. Okay, the way we do our geography, of course, in this particular thing is to do uh, questions and answers, like a quiz. So I say, what is the capital of Bourduria? Uh, Zohod, I think we tried to establish was the capital, but um, I think that's open to interpretation how you say that. Because Zohod. Bourduria is not a real country. <laughs> so I, I'm going to say Zohod, but um, I think that's just up to you, really, how you say it. Yeah, it's S Z O H O D, and in Bulgarian, of course, the S is always is pronounced. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop silently. You you don't pronounce the S in um, Bulgarian. What is Calculus's favorite hotel in 
Geneva. Oh, uh, it's the Hotel Cornavin. Do you know if that's a real hotel? Uh, it's not, but it was based on uh, on a real hotel. Yeah. Have you been to Geneva? I have. I have one. I spent one night there. I don't have much recollection of it, but we pulled in in a pretty bad train and left on a better, much better train. Yeah, it traded you for a, what? You did something very special in Geneva. Apart from like hanging out with me, I went to the UN. Yeah, you did. Oh yeah, I did. Well, not the real UN. That's in New York, but no, it's it the was, real UN. Yeah, like they don't have the Security Council stuff, and but they had a very a room very similar to the, the Security Council, which is in New York. Yeah, yeah. I didn't take you on that excursion. Your mum took you yeah. on that because I was actually just I went on I a ferry on Lake Geneva instead. Yeah. Question: Does Tintin? drive into Lake Geneva or not? No. Uh, Tim's a much smaller lake than Lake Geneva in, as it's depicted in this and in real life. Uh, it's just a local lake. Of which town? Neon. Neon. Not, it's not, not Leon. Sure. It's Neon, yeah. yeah not which sure is if a I'm town saying that in, right. But, um, um, on, in the border between Switzerland and Italy on the Sw- yeah. Swiss side. I wonder if we um, went through a train there because I we definitely um, went through – like Innsbruck and other places on the Swiss border. I don't think we did. If you saw the lights of neon, you'd see the neon lights. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a bad joke. Um, one of the interesting things about this particular uh, book, this album, is that it goes through a range of locations, both fictional and non-fictional. Obviously, yeah. Switzerland's a real place. And Bordury is not. And this, out of the three books we've covered, all of them, so just coincidentally, have been at least partially set in fictional countries. Uh, Borduria, Sildavia. And San Theodoros. Uh, what's your favourite of the Eastern European Tintin fictional countries? Is it Sildavia or Borduria? Sildavia, I think. Sildavia. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Yeah. I think they're both fairly corrupt, or depicted as corrupt, I think, though. Yeah. Well, obviously the context of this was the absolute establishment of of communist countries in yeah, the 50s through the iron curtain and a great fear about them stealing military secrets being kind of provocative uh um without a moral compass and yeah. Hergé certainly buys into that definitely um, that particular representation fair enough let's have a little pause a refreshing ear li- ear break for our listeners and we'll come back and we'll talk about the characters Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Okay, welcome back to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast, and one of our favourite segments. We've got five segments, and this is one of our favourites, and that is um, characters. So in Tintin and the Calculus Affair, we've got the, I think, I believe it's just called The Calculus Affair. The Calculus Affair. Affair. Yeah. A Tintin joint. <laughs> so we've got the usual home base characters. We've got, you know, Tintin, Haddock. Snowy. Snowy. That's a character. He's yeah. a character. But, but he's a fantastic character. He's my yeah. number one all-time character. Um, <laughs> at home, we've got Jolien Wag and who else? Nesta. Nesta. Nesta doesn't really leave Mylon Spike Hall. It's like he's part of Mylon Spike Hall. Because when the bird brother, when it gets surrendered by the bird brothers, Nesta just it's like a package deal with Marlon Spike Hall. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Nesta, of course, we talked in an earlier episode about how he he comes good. But then there's a um, 
probably the greatest or top three cameos in the history of, of Tintin is this character called Arturo Cartofoli. Can you tell me his entire full name? Uh, correct me if my pronunciation is wrong, but Arturo Bendetio Giovanni Giuseppe Pietro Arcangelo Alfredo Cartofoli. <laughs> And he's the Milanese driver of a Lancia Coupe, and he smacks into Haddock, and then Tintin says, help, help. And then after that, what happens? Uh, he's the driver, and he uh, turns out to be quite helpful to them. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, it is. They go on this fantastic chase scene that uh, goes through a road with tar, and um, it, they hit a speed bump, and they fly and take off. Yeah, uh, so until he, it eventually kicks he, he is out. a good car- cameo. Character. It's very stereotyped, though, in a yeah. way, isn't he? It's this kind of um, <laughs> this wild Italian driver um, and so on. Uh, and then we've got Bianca Castafiore. Well, what role does she play well, she, in this? Well, she proves quite helpful in this, contradictory to other books, because she helps Tintin and Haddock hide from Colonel Spons. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, by shoving them into the cupboard. And of, of her dressing room because yeah. Spons is paying visit after the... And um, the papers are in Spons' jacket, yeah. which Tintin and Haddock need. So, yeah, she's quite helpful compared to other books. Yeah. She's helpful in King Otica's Scepter, but other than that, she's just a bit of a tool. A tool, as in, <laughs> <laughs> okay, she is self-indulgent and whatever, but at a couple of critical junctures, she comes to help um, Tintin. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got a, a cameo appearance from... R.W. Trickler, who is someone who turns up in The Broken Ear where he's trying to um, create a war bef- between San Theodoros and Nuevo Rico. Mm-hmm. But who is R.W. Trickler and what role does he play in Calculus Affairs? He plays no role whatsoever. He has a one-frame cameo and my theory is Hergé is just reusing the character model. Um, and looking at the Tintin wiki here, it says resulting him in being, like there's got a section and then the sentence ends with resulting in him being sentenced to death. So that kind of proves my theory because uh, if someone's dead, they can't. No, no, that would be Tintin being, he, he contrives to get Tintin sentenced oh, to death yeah, for being yeah. a protagonist, an antagonist yeah. in that war. Yeah. But your your point about R.W. Trickler is that he's just like being a, he Hergé was just reusing his character model. Character model, like the yeah. drawing, the face, the appearance, yeah. and something like that. Because it's easier than making a whole new character. Yeah. Tintin's hardly going to be halfway through adventure spot R.W. Trickler in, in Calculus Affair, go and bop him one and then keep on going. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised R.W. Trickler didn't get Tintin, considering it has quite a distinctive look. <laughs> it does. Uh, Tintin, of course, is capable of everything, flying helicopters, flying aeroplanes, yeah. fist fighting, guns, weaponry generally. So. Hitting someone over the head with a kosh. Yeah, a kosh. <laughs> well, that would be my weapon of choice in any battle is a kosh. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. We're going to come back with our, our final section, which is um, Haddock. And his best moment. moment. That's right. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Welcome back to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast, and this is our last section, best haddock moment. There's a few contenders in this book. We've got obviously um, haddock in the back of Arturo's car. His, yeah. His, and we've got when when he's with Professor Topolino and 
Tintin and he's just obsessing about that bottle of wine rather than concentrating on the discussion. <laughs> yeah. But, but what did we pick we as our favourite? narrow it down to one narrow or two. It down, yeah. So it's page 42. So what's that about? So Tintin and Haddock are waiting at Geneva Airport in order to go back to home, back to Marlins Bike Hall. Yeah. And they spy some of the thugs who have been involved um, earlier in the book and, and Haddock spots them by tripping over their bags and then he insults them and he says, just remember, I've got my eye on you. And as he does that, he... Crashes into a pole and then um, a sign that says, see clearly with better B-E-T-T-A specs falls on him and it's got like some glasses. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a classic sort of moment. Yeah. He has that sticking plaster on his nose which comes back to um, haunt him later on in the airplane, which is another classic kind of haddock. Set piece, so yeah, we rate that as a classic attic moment where he. <laughs> well, there's got a lot in this book, actually. Yeah, because of all that serious action, you need that kind of foil. Yeah. yeah. Um. But quick question: This is a Tintin podcast. Mm. Um. And. Before Crab with the Golden Claws, Haddock does not appear. So what are we supposed to do for best Haddock moment? Well, we could say, what would he do? I don't True. Know. What would Haddock do in a situation? <laughs> in like Land this? of Black Gold, it's a no-brainer because he only appears for a page. So but that got drawn in at the end, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Because anyway, he, yeah. We should stop talking about Land of Black Gold. That's for and another time. We'll talk about that. Okay, that's the end of today's episode. Next time, we think we're going to talk about Tintin in the East, which is the collective name for Cigars of the Pharaoh and the Blue Lotus. Yeah, which kind of both disparate and united adventures. Yeah. All right. I've been one of your hosts, Andrew. And this is your other host, Hamish. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Ciao.